Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. friends, welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when God has brought amazing people in my life, and I didn't even realize that I needed that person until they were there. That's the way it was with today's guest, Ken Blanchard. Ken is a New York Times bestselling author of over 60 books, and his most successful book, The One Minute Manager, has sold over 13 million copies alone. Yes, 13 million copies. Ken is also the Chief Spiritual Officer of the Ken Blanchard Companies, an international management training company. And I was honored to work with Ken and his lifelong friend Phil Hodges on a book called Lead Your Family Like Jesus. And this book was inspired by their book, Lead Like Jesus. So before working on this book, I knew Ken from afar, and I appreciated how he encouraged and inspired leaders. But at the time, I had no idea how he would encourage and inspire me. You see, if you read my books before, or listened to my testimony, or read one of my blogs, you probably know that I was born to a single mom, so I didn't know my biological dad growing up, and then I grew up with a stepdad, and we didn't have a close relationship. He was more like the silent figure in The Lazy Boy. He was there, but really not involved in my life very much. But my grandfather was there, and he was sweet, and he was kind, and he was loving, but he really wasn't the type of person that would sit down and encourage me, teach me, mentor me. So really, looking back now, this left a large void in my life. And once I met Ken, I realized how much I needed someone like that in my life. I know many people have been blessed and inspired by Lead Your Family Like Jesus. But you guys, the truth is that God brought this project for me. So what did I learn from working on this book? First of all, this is something that... Um, just really greatly impacted me and I still think about all the time, which was your greatest leadership impact is in your home. So it doesn't matter if we run a large corporation, if we write books at home, if we work outside in a business, really we will have the greatest impact on those that are closest to us, our, our spouse and our kids. Also, whatever influence the thinking, the behavior and development of the other person, whenever we do that, we are leading that person. So it is true leadership. So nowhere is our impact as a leader greater and more dramatic than in our own family, no matter what role we play. So in the book Lead Like Jesus and Lead Your Family Like Jesus, it talks about the four H's. And these are the four H's of influence. So first of all, our heart, our intentions and motivations, what's in our heart really impacts others. Our head, our viewpoints and beliefs, our hands, our behavior, and if you have little kids, you know what we do. Our kids mimic completely. Our habits and our connection with God. And I was just thinking about that this morning and just how my life has just um, continued to grow closer to God and my relationship with Him. And it's the, the habits of sitting down with Him daily, reading my Bible, praying, 
thinking about him during my day. Those habits really have impacted my whole life. So Lead Your Family Like Jesus is available at online retailers, and there's also a DVD video study. So we were able to go to Ken's house a couple years ago and record the DVDs. And so that would be great to go with the book, and it would be great for Sunday schools or for small groups. Um, also, in the show notes, I'm going to include a few excerpts from the book, and then also some family activities that you can do with your kids. So they include a forever not scavenger hunt, a family recital, creating a family label, and a game called Thumbs Up and Thumbs Down that we developed spur of the moment uh, sitting around the dinner table talking with our kids about right choices and wrong choices. So in the show notes, you'll find links, and you can print those activities up and then do them with your kids. So these are great activities to do with your kids to open up conversations about our purpose in life and then also God's plan for eternity. Also, I mentioned on last week's podcast that I'd be reading an iTunes review and sending out a free book as a thanks. So today's review is from M. Snow 2 and this listener said, I love listening to Trisha Goyer. She's inspiring, interesting, unpretentious, and did I mention inspiring? <laughs> really interesting guest, too. So thank you so much for that review. And Snow 2, if you drop a note to my assistant, Amy, A-M-Y, at TrishaGoyer.com, we'll be sure to get one of my books out to you. Also, listeners, if you have a chance... If you want a chance to have a free book, I would love for you to go over and head to iTunes and leave a review. So every week I'll be reading a review there and then sending out one of my books. Um, not only will you get some fun reading in the mail, but you'll also help others to learn about this podcast. Now, before we jump into Ken's, Ken's interview, I want to let those in California know that I am praying for you and thinking about you with all these recent fires. I mean, just hearing the news, I grew up in California, I was born there, it's just so heartbreaking. So as you will also hear on the podcast with Ken, he lost his home. He lives in San Diego, and he lost his home in a fire very similar to the recent ones. So just know that um, even as Ken and I were talking, I was thinking about you and praying for you. So now here is my interview with Ken. Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, and I'm so excited to have a very special guest today, Ken Blanchard. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Few people have influenced the day-to-day management of people and companies more than Ken Blanchard. A prominent, sought-after author, speaker, and business consultant, Dr. Blanchard is respected for his lifetime of groundbreaking research and thought leadership that has influenced the day-to-day management and leadership of people and companies around the world. And all that to say, I also consider him a friend, and I was so blessed to be able to write Lead Your Family Like Jesus with um, both Ken and with um, our also good friend, Phil Hodges. So welcome, Ken. It's so great having you here. Well, Tricia, thanks. Nice to be with you. I'm always uh, amazed at uh, your energy and how you do all you do and still have all the kids and everything. So it's uh, always good to talk to Superwoman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to have to come down and and visit you sometime. Then you get to meet all the new ones that you haven't met yet. Oh, God, that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) They would would keep you busy, for sure. Well, what I just appreciate so much about you and just getting to know you is just um, how you are 
do such a wonderful job at leading other people, but truly it goes back to the word of God. Um, and I know so many of the foundational principles go back to God's scripture. So tell us about how that changed for you and how you realize that really what's in the Bible has just so much impact just in our daily lives and on our leadership. Well, Tricia, you know, uh, Margie and I kind of turned our backs on the Lord and church, you know, uh, we saw a lot of hypocrisy, you know, uh, in churches and a lot of judgment and evaluation. And and I, so I didn't think too much about God until uh, the one-minute manager came out, and that was so ridiculously successful. I was having trouble taking credit for it. And so people would say, Ken, why do you think it's uh, so successful? And I started saying, I don't know, God must be involved. And my mother was praying for me. And and the minute I started talking about God, then I get all these calls, like, would I be on the Hour of Power with Robert mm-hmm. Shula in his heyday? And so I was, and he said, Ken, I love the one-minute manager, but you know who's the greatest one-minute manager of all time? And I said, who's that? He said, Jesus. I said, really? He said, yeah. He was really clear on goals. Isn't that your first secret one-minute goal setting? And I said, yeah. And he said, you and Tom Peters didn't invent management by wandering around. Jesus did. Wandered from one little village to another. If anybody showed any interest, he'd praise him, heal him. Isn't that your second secret? One minute praising him. I said, yeah. And he said, people stepped out of line. He wasn't afraid to give a one minute reprimand. He threw the money lenders out of the temple. And so I said, wow, I had never thought about Jesus as a leader. And and then I uh, get a, a call when I write a book with Norman Vincent Peale. And I said, is he still alive, you know? And uh, he, my parents had gone to his church before I was born. And when uh, Margie <laughs> and I met Ruth and Norman, they said, the Lord's always had you on his team. You just haven't suited up yet. And and uh, so that became the cry. And, and uh, then we ran into Bob Buford, and he turned us over to Bill Hybels. And, you know, I said, you guys, Lord must really want me. He's sending out the first team. But uh, what I started to learn is – so much different than some of the evaluative judgment uh, stuff. You know, like Buford said to me, Ken, do you think you're as good as God? And I said, well, obviously not if there's a God. He said, okay, let's give God 100, and we'll give axe murderers five. And Mother Teresa was alive then. She he said, she's a pretty good gal. Why don't we give her a 95? And he said, Blanchard, you're not bad. I'll, you know, helping people. I'll give you a 75 or an 80. He said, the neat thing about the Lord is he sent down Jesus to make up the difference between you and 100. And I went, whoa, that's really powerful. What a better way to talk about grace than call people sinners, you know, because he's called somebody a sinner. They don't say, thanks right. for sharing, you yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> they, they, ta- they attack you back. And and he said, well, you might not uh, like the second part of this. I said, what's that? He said, the axe murderer gets the same opportunity as Mother Teresa because it's not about deeds. It's about belief. And And so it was just a wonderful journey. And then when I really found out that uh, I had this partner in life, you know. <laughs> in fact, Heibel said, Blanchard, I don't know why you haven't signed up a lot sooner because you really get three consultants for the price of <laughs> one. <laughs> you get the fa- the father who uh, started it, the son who lived it, and the Holy Spirit's the daily, day-to-day operational manager, which is a nice way to talk about the Holy Spirit. But uh, so... Um, that that was really my journey, and, and it's just made such a difference in my life. And then Margie, you know, a few months later, you know, she's, she suited up too, but, you know, because it's not a group activity. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love that great. so much. I just love – I love how you said God sent the A-team, <laughs> you know, all these – all these wonderful people. Yeah. And I have found that so much. Um, just God has brought 
the people, right people at the right time that has just influenced me and just has encouraged me. And I know I wouldn't be where I am today um, with the writing mentors and spiritual mentors. So, and, and you talk about that in leadership. Why is it so important for us to be open to having mentors in our lives, having people to speak into our lives, and then also open to doing that and, and pouring ourselves out to other people? Well, a couple of things on that. One, Norma Vincent Peale said to me one time, he said, Ken, if you stop learning, lie down and let them throw the dirt on you because you're already dead, you know. And so I think looking for mentors is just a sign that you're still open to learn. And then I got a chance to write a book with Claire Diaz-Ortiz. She was one of the first employees at Twitter, and she wrote a book called Twitter for Good. She got the Pope to tweet and she came to me and said, Ken, in the past, mentors have always been older. Uh, and she said, I, I think us youngins uh, need, need your wisdom. She's about 34 or 5, uh, and I'm 78. And she said, but I think you older folks could use us to mentor you on technology and other things. And so one of the things I found out, and you know, I knew before, but I hadn't thought about it so clear, every time – you reach out to help somebody else, you learn too. And so uh, I think the idea of helping somebody else learn uh, what you learned, it's just not a one-way street. You're just going to be amazed at how much learning comes back your way. And I, I've really found that true. My mother, Trisha, always said, why don't you write a book by yourself? You know, because I've written over 60, but only two by myself. One on my spiritual journey, I didn't know who to write the co-author of that with the, besides the good Lord and, and a book about golf. So many people helped my golf game. I didn't know who to write it with. But I, I just love learning from others. And it was fun working with you and Phil on the Lead, lead your family. Yeah, absolutely. Like no, it's one mentor, minute mentoring, right? The one with Claire. Yeah, yes. that is great. Yes. And um, I am so excited to read that one. So I cannot wait to do that. Um, and you mentioned lead your family like Jesus. And so I would just love some background on how you and Phil started lead your lead like Jesus, and then how that led into lead your family like Jesus. Well, it was interesting, you know, when I turned my life over to the Lord and got to know uh, uh, Bob Buford because he was one of the key people who brought me to the Lord. He asked me to speak at the big conference he had for his ministry, you know, called Halftime. He wrote a wonderful book called Halftime where, you know, people are in the locker room sometime, you know, when they're 40s or 50s and they want to come out for the second half. And he said, most people want to move from success to significance, you know. And so he had this conference with all kinds of successful people who were now working with nonprofits and other ministries and all uh, to help them really uh, blossom. And so there were really people who were successful who wanted to be significant to help others. And so I sat through this conference, and at the end I got up and said, God, this is fabulous what's going on here. But one of the things I think that you might want to think about is – you don't really have to leave your own organization uh, to uh, move from success to significance. What you might want to do is try to lead your organization like Jesus. And, uh, you know, I had thought about it but never really said it to a group. And everybody went, whoa, that's really interesting. And and uh, Phil Hodges was at the conference. I brought him with me. And, and people said, God, can we find out more about that? And so we ended up starting a, a – a sister organization to Buford's uh, 
uh, Center for uh, Faith Walk Leadership is what we call it. He had uh, Faith Works. But then when we got uh, advisory board, we had a wonderful guy uh, who was a, in the whole uh, brand management, and he said, I'm looking at your materials and everything. You're, you can use that uh, as your address, the Center for Faith Walk Leadership, but you're in the lead like Jesus business. And uh, well, the minute we mentioned that, wow, you you lift his name up, and then he really gets in the yes. action with you. <laughs> and, and now it's just uh, all over the world. And and uh, so people started saying, well, you know, this isn't just for business, is it? No, it is not. And and then people say, well, can I lead my family like Jesus? Absolutely. And that's when we got the idea we ought to, because what's more important than family and being a parent and, and all that? And then... Uh, uh, people said, you know, if you're going to do that to somebody that's got great energy and great insights and great writing skills. And then we met this woman <laughs> by the name of Trisha Goyer, and it was really fun. Yes, <laughs> and I was just so, I loved it so much, and working on the project with you, and then, you know, sharing kind of, uh, we're still in the middle of it. So our, our oldest right. is 28, and our youngest right. is 7. So we have a lot of years of continuing to lead our family like Jesus. And I know, um, Ken, I've told you this before, what I really appreciated, just, I mean, writing the book is always wonderful, and the, and the principles have been fantastic, but just getting to know you and Phil and having, um, you know, these godly, wonderful men in my life has just been such a huge blessing. And so I just appreciate that I was able to do that with you and just, you've just continued to be an encouragement to me. So I really appreciate that. Well, that's really fun. Phil and I met on a bus going to orientation camp, freshman year at Cornell, 1957. So he says, Wow, this is amazing. This is our 50th year. <laughs> no, actually, yeah. almost 60th year. 60th year of wow. knowing each other. So, yeah, that's, that's something. so neat. And I know, I mean, you know, you've had wonderful success. You've had, um, you know, best-selling books and your company has just grown and just able to influence so many people. But there's been some hard times, too. I know um, you've had a house fire. Um, I, don't, I don't know how many years ago then, but you know, we talk about leading like Jesus and, you know, following Jesus in these wonderful leadership ways. But what about when we do face hard things like you faced your house fire? How has Jesus shown up um, how to, and how has God's word really impacted your life during those times too? Well, it's interesting. Uh, uh, my title in our company is I'm the chief spiritual officer and I, uh, I didn't like chairman. So I, I leave a morning message for everybody and I do three things. One, I tell them who to pray for and send our love to because people say my mom's really hurting her. I got a kid who's sick and we got a lot of data with over 300 people about the power of prayer and encouragement. And secondly, I, I leave some uh, praising for people that I hear they have been doing good things in the company and for our customers and all. And then third, I leave an inspirational message of something I've read and all. And, uh, on Thursday before the fire, I just had finished reading John Ortberg's book, At the End of the Game, It All Goes Back in the Box, you know. And uh, it's uh, a story about he and his grandmother. And she was an incredible Monopoly player. And he said when she played Monopoly, she was vicious, you know. And uh, at the end of the game, she always had everything. He had nothing. And she would smile and say, John, someday you're going to learn how to play the game. And so one summer when 
he was about 13 or 14, a kid who moved next door. He was an incredible Monopoly player. And so he practiced with a kid every day because he knew his grandmother was uh-huh. coming in September. And he ran in the house and gave her a hug and a kiss. And his grandma, how about a Monopoly game? And her eyes lit up. And he was ready to go this time. And he just came out of the shoot and wiped his grandmother out. At the end, he had everything. He had Park Place and Broadway and everything. And she smiled and said, John, now you had to play, know how to play the game. Let me teach you a lesson about life. What did he say? He said, well, what's that? She said, it all goes back in the box. He said, what do you mean? Everything you bought, everything you accumulated and all. She said, the only thing you get to save is who you love and who loves you. And uh, so uh, I just thought that was so powerful. And then five days later, our house burns yeah. to the ground. We lose everything we had for 25 years in it when we finally led us into town because we were in, in Florida and walked down the the uh, driveway. It looked like they had cremated the place. But uh, it, that, that whole thing, it, you know, was such a God blessing to read Ortberg's book and because it put it in perspective because nobody got hurt, you know. We just lost a lot of stuff. And uh, so that was uh, – that was a really powerful uh, experience for, for me. We even, you get a kick at us, we had a memorial celebration for our house. Uh, <laughs> over 100 people came to tell stories about their times in our house and, you know, times when they might even live right, there. Right, because you really used it for, you just opened the doors and, and used it as a place of ministry yes. too. Yes, and one of our uh, people put a sign, which is right near the front door, it says the, the Blanchard Inn. And uh, when Margie and I first got married, we were running dormitories at Cornell, you know, with 250, oh, wow. 300 students. And so we were used to people. But uh, so it's just been a, a you know, wonderful ministry. And uh, but the, the story about the fire and God is interesting, too, because we, I got a call from my son. I was down in Florida and Margie was in Orlando. I was in Naples playing golf with some old buddies. She was at a conference and. My son left a message. I don't know where you are, uh, but Madeline and I have had to vacate our house. They were just right down right. the road from us, and we're down in the main road, and flames look like they're coming out of our house, and yours is probably gone too. And so that was my opening thing. Wow. I finally got a hold of him, and they were they were going up to Orange County because you couldn't go anywhere in San Diego. And I got Margie on the phone, and initially she didn't believe me because she think I have a kind of a sick sense of humor. But when I— finally got her to believe me. She said, Ken, would it be bad if we prayed to God if he was going to take one house, he take takes ours and saves Scott and Mad's house? Because they had spent nine months uh, redoing this house and put four kids in it with them. And and uh, we had been in our house for 25 years. And it's amazing because a policeman and two other people, uh, witnesses said Scott and Mad's house was gone. And the next morning, because we couldn't go back into San Diego, I get a call from Scott. He says, Dad, you won't believe me. I'm standing in our living room, and our house is saved, but the front mat was burned, and towels in the back porch are burned, and everything around us is is burned, and so is your house. And I cried and laughed. I said, Scott, that was wow. what Mom and my prayer, prayers were, you know. And Phil and I were together in Florida, and we were by the beach, and he has a picture of me running down the beach with my hands up in the air saying to God, you are fabulous. I mean, unbelievable uh, that you would save their house and take ours. And and uh, that was really amazing. And uh, uh, we had a celebration party for his house 
And somebody said that somebody's renting a house right down the road, and we grabbed the signs. And so we were renting a house right in between our Bert house and his, our son's house. And and we had plans to rebuild, and we had a neighbor who was kind of a pain in the tail, and he was going to sue us because a gardener had clipped a bush on his mm-hmm. property. And he got on the architectural committee, and he held up our plans. And so one day uh, Scott's wife Madeline's walking the dog, and she knocks on our door, and she says, that house you've always loved next door uh, just went up for sales. It was a beautiful house next door, and we ran over and got all the signs <laughs> and down. down. And in 10, 10 days, we had more house, more land, better view uh, for less money than it would have cost us to rebuild. And so every day we give thanks. You know, this is God's house, you know. And I think if, if you recognize that he's with you and don't get hung up on things— and realize, he said, you know, you'll be known as my disciples by how you love each other. Uh, it's really powerful. Yeah, and I love that. And I love how you continue to do with do that with your house. I was able to stay there in that beautiful room. And at the same time, we had you had friends from Australia, Adrian and uh, Marie were there. Um, and they were yeah. also staying. And it's just so, I mean, you walk in and it's just you feel welcome. You feel home. You feel God's peace there. And I think that's such an important thing is to welcome people and to build community. And um, that's another thing that really just something that I took away from my time with you also is I've had the chance to have a couple meals with you around the table. Um, and tell us about the conversation starters and what you do to just bring community together instead of, you know, just the chit chat around the table. You really are intentional about um, having people share about their lives and with these conversation starters. Yes, it's uh, we just do that all the time. Like Thanksgiving is in a couple of days, and we have like 24 people coming for Thanksgiving. And, and people know us, that they know they're going to get a question. But what we do in Thanksgiving is we go around and say, you know, what's your connection here to the Blanchard family? And then tell us what you feel most blessed about, you know. And it's just a wonderful way to find out about people rather than just spending time talking to the person to the left or your right. And we have a whole bunch of series of questions like, you know, if I, if we really knew you, we would know that, you know, or uh, tell us a time uh, when uh, you were embarrassed or uh, what's, uh, what's the most successful experience you've ever had in your life and, or who mentored you. And, uh, you know, we have some, cards that you can actually buy, you know, a little game called the Ungame, <laughs> where they have cards and all that. But we usually now start to kind of make up questions. But people really love that. At birthday parties, we have people go around and say what they really like and admire about the person whose birthday it is. So it's really a way to make sure that people get a chance to share and get to know each mm, other. I love that so much. And it really comes down to just being intentional. Um, not, you know, just realizing that we have this moment, whether it is in the living room, whether it's around the table, whether it's at a leadership conference to really connect with people and be intentional. And I, I think that pours out of you in so many ways. And I, I really appreciate yeah. that. Yes. And I just love that concept that, you know, that the only thing you're going to have left in life is who you love and who loves you. And, and, uh, it's all about relationships and, some people get so attached to, you know, making money or their things that they own or recognition or power and status. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But 
uh, you're going to miss out on significance, which is the opposite of, you know, money and things and all that is generosity of your time, your talent, treasure, and I like to add your touch and the opposite of, you know, recognition is service and the opposite of, uh, of power and status is loving relationships. And, uh, and I think that, you know, Mother Teresa was a perfect example. She could have cared less about making money or recognition or power status. She was all about generosity, service, and love. And everybody was falling all over her to give her money and recognize her and give her power and status. And also, if you focus, focus on significance, it's amazing. I think you can get success. But if you just focus on success as who you are, you'll never make a difference in the world. I love that so much. Now, my new book is uh, Walk It Out, and all talks. it talks about just sitting down and reading God's Word. And then, you know, when we feel that little nudge of the Holy Spirit, just being willing to take those steps, like you were saying, just to serve others, to humble ourselves, to love others. How does that look like to you on a daily basis? Or, uh, you know, what do you have disciplines on reading God's Word and um, listening to the Holy Spirit and doing what it says? Yes, I try to always have some quiet time when I I get up. We, we uh, a friend of mine said that uh, you you need to enter your day slowly, you know, because I think what happens is that, you know, we have two selves. We have a task-oriented self, and then we have a thoughtful, reflective self. And what happens in the morning? The alarm goes off, you know. And I love John Ortberg. He said. You know, wouldn't it be better if they called that the opportunity clock or it's going to be a great day? But no, alarm! <laughs> you know, and immediately hits your task-oriented self and you jump out of bed and you start to race around and all. And, and what I found is that you need to enter your day slowly and to awaken your thoughtful, reflective self. And so I like to do that in the morning. And my mother, ever since I was young, you know, gave me the daily word, you know, this little book on on the spiritual uh, sayings and then uh, Jesus Calling is just a wonderful uh, book to to read and and so I I just try to spend some time you know just uh, thinking about the Lord reading good stuff uh, got a book recently that was really great about the 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 red letters of mm-hmm. Jesus you know and it went to you know when he said things what does that mean you know one side there'd be a you know a Bible quote like you know uh, that uh, trust in God with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. And then it <laughs> would say, what does that mean? You know, I mean, even though he didn't say that, I mean, but it would be a Bible quote where he, he said, you know, you'll be known as by disciples by how you love each other. Well, what does that mean? And when he said, judge not, you shall be judged. What does he mean by that? And uh, so it's a, I think it's just great to, to read the word in the morning and, and uh, find out what, what he says, and and uh, Wally Armstrong, who I wrote a book called The Mulligan With about golf and faith, he wrote a book about uh, practicing the presence of, of Jesus, and and he got me into, as I do that, uh, having a, a chair or thinking that there's a chair there, that Jesus is there, and I can read something and then kind of ask him about it. And rather than turning on the radio in the car, imagine that Jesus is sitting next to you in the car and, you know, what does he have to say? So, you know, we're so great, uh, Tricia, in, in our prayer life of asking. We're not so good at listening. Right. And I, I've been trying to get much better at quieting myself and seeing what, what has he got in mind. And a friend of ours said, you can always tell when God's talking to you because you'll think of something you never thought of yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
I had that about a little over a year and a half ago. Our pastor was leaving, who I really admired, and I'm driving home, and they were starting to form a committee to look for a new pastor. And all of a sudden, I got this thought, well, why don't you be the interim pastor? Now, where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wouldn't have thought of that. Right. And I went, whoa, that's interesting. So I sent an email over and said, what do you guys think about me being the interim pastor? And they all got excited, and somehow they talked the presbytery into doing it. So I spent 15 months as an interim pastor at our church and took the four pastors that were there, two young people, a, a guy and a gal who worked with the youth, and an Egyptian pastor who was a great Bible teacher, and the executive pastor who set it up that every five weeks each of us preached, and we built this team and just had a wonderful time. And But, boy, did I get a lot out of it. But mm-hmm. uh, I think if you quiet yourself, you know, you might hear what God might have in mind for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that. And that, again, that's an example of servant leadership. And you talk about in Lead Like Jesus, how servant leadership isn't an option that, you know, God requires of it. And it's a journey with him. It's um, the walk with him and it's impacting the world as we step out. And I think I've seen that so much in your life and I've seen that so much in your books and so much even in your friendship. And so I just really appreciate you being here today and just sharing your heart with me and sharing your heart with our listeners. Well, thanks so much, Tricia. I just think uh, you're great. And uh, I think Walk It Out is just a fabulous book and it's just a a way that, you know, uh, I think that... uh, I forget who said that I'd much, much uh, rather see a sermon lived than a sermon spoken, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think that the next great evangelist movement is going to be demonstration, not proclamation. And uh, so I think it's just great. And that's what you're doing. You're out there making a difference with your behavior. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for your friendship. Thank you for being here today. And um, maybe we'll write another book together. <laughs> Who right. knows? Good. Well, good. well, big hugs to you. Wow. Wasn't that interview with Ken great? I just love how much Ken cares about people. He truly knows how to lead people by discovering what's wonderful and unique about them. He's so inspirational. You can find out more about Ken at KenBlanchard.com. Again, there are links to excerpts from Lead Your Family Like Jesus in the show notes. Be sure to check out the book and the DVD series. Finally, today, remember to pray for those who have lost their homes due to natural disasters this year. This has been a really hard year. Also, when you read God's Word, ask Him to show you how you can walk out one way to love or care or give this holiday season. In fact, this week's Walk It Out scripture reminds us that Jesus came as a leader, one who led in humility. His first throne of grace here on earth was a manger. So here is the scripture from Luke 2, 11-14. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel, praising and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now the best way to become a great manager is to humble yourself before the manger. As always, you can find more information about me on my website, which is just trishagoyer.com. And know that you can find me on any social media sites like Facebook, Twitter, 
or Instagram under just my name, Trisha Goyer. Finally, friends, I'd really appreciate it if you tell your friends about this podcast and encourage them to listen. As you know, this podcast is sponsored by my book, Walk It Out, and it's published by David C. Cook. Now, David C. Cook is a nonprofit publisher, and it's spreading God's word in over 100 countries. So thank you for tuning in, and I pray that this week you will be blessed. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.